Hey guys, good evening. This is Brad with Ball Down South Sports Wave. Tonight we are going to do our pick six and no fly zone segment show. And as always, I've got John Hammonds with me. How are you, John? I'm doing good, man. You ready for this? Yes, sir. All right. We do have uh, someone else with us tonight. We have Drink Local Beham, John Roberts, with us um, as a guest tonight, and he's going to join us. Uh, are you on? I am. All right. Are you ready for this? I am. All right. So we're going to start with our pick six tonight, and this week's topic is going to be um, Heisman, our top six Heisman front runners. So uh, I guess what we'll do is kind of do a round table, maybe do two, and then you do two, and then I do two, and then kind of go around maybe. Does that sound all right, guys? Sounds great. Sounds good. All right. So – John, we'll start with you. Hammonds, we'll start with you. Um, mm-hmm. You want to give us your number one and number two, or you want to give us number five and number six? I'll give you um, five and number six. Um, five is Will Anderson, and I want to go on a limb for six and put Jalen Daniels in there, quarterback for Kansas. All right. That's my surprise pick of the night. Are you got anything that stats wise or anything that he's doing that you're wanting to kind of? Yeah, he's got he's got 890 pass yards. He's got 320 rush yards with 15 total touchdowns. He's only got one interception, and his quarterback rating is 98, 98 plus. Right. So he's he's had a pretty decent um, season. They started out four and zero, so that helps. It does, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, drink local BM. What do you got for five and six? Uh, let's see. Um, I have Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett at number five. Yeah, I think it's more of a. It's going to be more of a uh, a career thing for him. Um, but that's a, a number five. I. I just I don't know if he's going to put the the numbers up total at the end of the year, but he's starting he's he's looking a lot better this year than he did last year. Last year he was more of a uh, kind of plug in, and you don't really know if he's going to be the guy. Everybody kept doubting him as the guy. Well, this year you know he's the guy, and you know being on the number being being the quarterback on the number one team in the nation that kind of puts you in there anyway. So right. So who do you have at number six? Uh, six, I was kind of uh, looking at between uh, the Kansas quarterback and the Oklahoma quarterback. Um, so y'all talked about, uh, I believe, what is it, uh, Jalen Daniels? Yeah, but, he's uh, the we Kansas can throw in there, uh, Oklahoma quarterback, uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan Gabriel. Right. Kind of you know, there. people kind of thought this past week, you know, Oklahoma fans were saying he missed some throws and stuff. But if you look at his numbers from last week, I mean, it was still pretty impressive. Right. And and like I said, he's he's still hanging around on that. And we'll see how how he ends up doing the rest of the year. But that's uh, that's what I've got right now at uh, at number six. All right. Well, I'm going to give you two names here at the at the end of my list that I think most people wouldn't have. Um, I'm going to go with Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Um, so far, he is having just a stellar season. Um, he leads the nation in yards. He leads the Pac-10 in just about every single category. Um, yards, completion percentage, um, um, touchdowns. He is, you know, having a heck of a year, and Washington is, um, you know, having a, a great season as well. Um, so I'm going to go with him. And then 
I'm going to put somebody in there at number six that I know that nobody will say. And it's simply because he doesn't play a position that most people would think about. But I'm going to put Brock Bowers in there. And I know Brock Bowers probably has no shot just because of the perception. But in my opinion, I think that's the whole reason he should have a shot is because he plays a position that nobody even thinks about. And he, and he plays it. I mean, he is spectacular. Um, game in and game out every single week. I mean, he's got 126 yards and two touchdowns. And I mean, catching bombs, running down the field, running over people. Um, Brock Bowers is definitely one of the top five or six um, players in college football, in my opinion. What do you guys think about that? Well, what he does have is he has the the, um, the help that Devonta Smith won the Heisman a couple of years ago. So even though he may still be listed as maybe a tight end and not necessarily a receiver, but he's used as a receiver much more than a tight end. And since Devonta Smith won it as a receiver, there is that possibility or at least something in his favor that will help out. And then, of course, again, being somebody that's on the number one team in the nation definitely will get you some looks. Right. But, you know, most people think of him as a tight end, and most people are not going to think a tight end is going to win the Heisman. Well, right. But, I mean, do you think that, you know, when when you're looking at the old – I mean, tight ends now, like Gronkowski, you know, or, well, he's now in the past. But, right. you know, Gronkowski uh, getting um, – uh, like a Tunzel, what's the, uh, the, the guy that's with the 49ers? Um, I think he's been sitting out, but I mean, a lot of the tight ends are doing, doing, uh, really well in the NFL and being very much that hybrid. And it kind of really started with, uh, Gonzalez with the, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And then it kind of moved into, uh, who was it that was wanting to be paid as a, uh, a, a, like a wide receiver that was a tight end for uh, for the, the I believe it was the uh, Seahawks. I can't remember who it was right off the top of my head, but there was one of them that was pushing to be paid like one. Right. And so now that you're starting to see, you know, a lot of these tight ends be treated, or they're kind of coming around to being treated much more like just wide receivers, that you you may start seeing it. it it's still a ways away from being kind of represented the way you think it's going to be but i mean you may be on to something i'm just saying i think he deserves he's definitely one of the top five six seven players in college football if you ask me yeah yeah all right hammonds who you got for three and four three and four um i'm going to go a different route here i got caleb williams at four and at three i got bryce young um, I just think the two that, that I have coming up have just played a lo- little bit better. Um, Bryce Young had that little hiccup against Texas, which he led the game winning drive too, but he didn't play the best. Um, you know, I think he inflated his stats this weekend against a pretty bad Vanderbilt team, which I mean, that's, that's fine and good and all, but I feel like he needs to show me a little bit more going forward, especially possibly this weekend with Arkansas. Um, you know, so I got Bryce Young and um, Caleb Williams at um, three and four. All right. Roberts, John Roberts, how about you? So I've got Hendon Hooker in there at four and Caleb at three. All right. Hendon Hooker's a different name. Nobody's brought his name up yet. Uh, I mean, he's a, you know, he, he, he has been, uh, I guess, rounding into a very good quarterback uh, being a dual threat guy. So we'll get just as many yards on the ground as he's able to throw. And then again, 
the fact that he is just uh, a lot better passer now. And that Tennessee team is just, a, you know, is, is starting to kick it on all four gears here. So They are. I, I agree with you. Um, and in my four spot, I also have Hendon Hooker as well. Um, I think Hendon Hooker is on the rise right now. Um, now, I will say Tennessee has a fairly tough schedule over the next four or five games. Um, and we'll see if Hendon Hooker can keep them winning. And, I mean, you can probably drop one game, but you can't drop two or three probably and still stay in the Heisman race more than likely. Um so I'll keep him at four, and then I'm going to go Bryce Young at at um, three. You know, Bryce Young's the defending Heisman winner, so, you know, um, he's got to be in there. He's still having a good year. They're coming off of a 55-3 to three pounding, I think, of Vanderbilt, so, uh, you know, kind of padding those numbers last week. <laughs> Right. Right. John, who you got at number two? Number two is Hendon Hooker. Um, you know, he had Saturday he passed for three hundred and forty nine yards, three touchdowns, um, I think hundred and twelve rushing yards. The biggest thing with Hooker is he's eighty one of hundred and thirteen for one thousand one hundred and ninety three yards and eight touchdowns and just one interception. And that's hard to overlook, you know, going into, you know, week five it is. You know, that Tennessee's got a bye week. Then they play ten, um, LSU next next Saturday. So he's in the he's in the hunt for the, for the Heisman. Um, right now I think he belongs, um, you know, beating, beating a team that, you know, he's been haunted by for, for many – for the Tennessee team's been haunted by for – Many years, Florida was a big knock in the old Heisman boot. So I feel like he's he's right there at number two. And number one is C.J. Stroud. Um, it wasn't his best performance, but um, he did have a five-touchdown effort against a pretty decent Badgers team in the past. But they wasn't real good Saturday night. So, But um, that's my one and that's my two. So, All right. Um, drink what will be him. What do you got? Number uh, two. I got CJ Stroud at number two. CJ Stroud at two. Yep. CJ right. Stroud at two. Uh, for all the reasons that you said there, John. Um, but, uh, at, at one, I'm going, going Bryce. And, and the reason why is because the, just, he, he is the Kings at the top of the mountain right now. And yes, he is the defending. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner, and while you guys are talking about padding stats against Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's still an SEC team. We saw earlier that they seem to be a better Vanderbilt team than what we've seen in years past as far as the first couple uh, games of the season. And you got to think that with the uh, the new wide receivers that that Bryce has had, it's going to take him a minute to get comfortable with each one of them. And, you know, you can see that with, say, uh, in in the NFL, just looking at what, you know, say uh, an Aaron Rodgers, somebody that's really good, week one, he's getting used to his wide receivers, and what happened to them? They got beat, right? Right. So in week two and week three, he's starting to get, starting to get comfortable because now he's throwing to uh, at least one of the rookies, quite often and he is uh throwing to some of the new guys also fairly often so what we saw with Vanderbilt not only was it have padding stats but it was he's starting to get comfortable with some of these wide receivers and I think that with Arkansas coming up and some of the tougher games coming up you're going to see that his comfortability Ability with these wide receivers, he's going to start going off on even better teams. Well, he certainly has a couple of big games coming up the next this week and next week, so 
um, you know, he definitely has the chance to separate himself from the pack a little bit over the next couple of weeks if he plays well. Now, I might have misspoke on that. He, I think Hennon Hooker has zero interceptions. I, I I think I said he had one, didn't I? I don't I remember. I, I can't remember. I, think. I don't remember, John. But he's got zero, I believe. Yeah. So that's. I mean, I was really, I was really just going to go with the uh, the Auburn quarterback staff as the number one. Just I feel like that they're they're just the best, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so my number two, I'm going to go with Caleb Williams. He started out really well last week. There was a little bit of struggle there, uh, Oregon State, but he did drive them down and had the game-winning touchdown to Addison um, to, to beat. Uh, Oregon State at their house um, late in the game last week. So I'm going to go uh, – my number two is Caleb Williams, and I'm going C.J. Stroud as number one. Um, for all the reasons that you guys said, I will say this. In my list, I left out Stetson Bennett, but I put Brock Bowers in there kind of in his place because I just feel like Brock Bowers needs – to have a little limelight. Uh, he doesn't play the quarterback position, and all of these guys that we're talking about are quarterbacks except for Will Anderson, which was one of John's picks. But everybody else is a quarterback. Well, the biggest thing with Bryce that I had was he had that two-interception game against Louisiana Monroe, and I, I'm not saying that's when I hurt him, but he he struggled at times against Texas, and then he had those two interceptions. Um but like you said, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's getting accustomed to these new receivers that he's got. And, you know, he can, he can really make a, a stand this weekend when he plays Alabama or when he plays Arkansas on the, which is a huge road game for Alabama and, uh, get a marquee win on the road. And I think, you know, once he gets comfortable with these receivers, I think you'll see Bryce Young get more comfortable. Yeah, and I, I really think that uh, what 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 he's going to be judged on, and what what he'll be judged on is how he fares in the SEC, and how he fares in the big games and stuff like that. So, um, at Texas, you can actually almost forgive Texas because that's you know road environment that early in the season that was just extremely hostile, and you led the game-winning drive. You know, you were the guy that escaped getting sacked and was able to get through and, and, and lead the game winning drive for, uh, for the team. So that's, I, I think that the, uh, what they'll, what they'll end up seeing is what, what happens later in the season when, when he goes up against the, the defenses of the SEC, like going against Arkansas. And I think he actually might do really well against Arkansas. Um, if they're still missing their cornerbacks. Uh, so I think he'll, he, he could pick that team apart. And, um, you know, going forward, you know, so we'll see what he does against some of the other teams of the SEC. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, you know, it's still early in the season. This is, you know, through week four, and this was just a topic I thought we would hit. We might revisit this later in the year so. Um, and maybe actually pick who we think will win. So, um, But that's probably what we'll do a little later in the year. So our next segment we're going to go into is called No Fly Zone. This is where we do some topics, um, and we kind of discuss for a little bit, and then we tell whether or not we think it should fly or no fly. So our first topic um, is going to be Kansas. So Kansas is 4-0, um, has shocked a lot of people. Jalen Daniels, their quarterback, has played really, really well. And uh, this past week had a had a really stellar game. It hmm. was it was against Duke. I'm not going to say that they it was a top-notch team. Duke has was 3-0, but there's been some buzz this week that because Kansas is leading the Big 12 that they should be ranked in the top 15 or 20. Um, and kind of 
throw away early season expectations and just go on what they've done the past four games. Are you guys on board with them being ranked that high? I am. You know, they they whipped Houston on the road. Um, they beat a solid, decent West Virginia team on the road. Um, you know, they beat Tennessee Tech, which ain't real good, but they then they come back and beat a, a decent Duke team. And, you know, they're averaging, I think, 47 points a game. Um, at some point, you have to look and say, this is a brand issue. Um, I feel like when you're a smaller brand, people don't take notice. Now, was if this was an SEC team, they'd be in the top 25. Um, they I mean, were left out. They were left out of the top 25 this week, and I thought maybe they might crawl in towards the back end of the top 25, but they didn't. So, but there's been a whole lot of buzz that people are saying, well, they should be ranked where Ole Miss is, or you know, in the top 15 or whatever. Yeah, and you know. It's their best season, I think, what, in 13 years? It just don't make no sense to me. And, you know, in both of their next games are against Iowa State and TCU, which are very winnable. Um, and if these voters don't put Kansas in, if they win those two, which they should, I just think you should get rid of the AP poll, to be honest. Um, because these kids deserve a little credit, you know, they – their defense ain't really good, but their offense is absolutely um, hard to t- hard to defend against. You know, Jalen Daniels, we just talked about him. He's I think he's throwing for what over 800 yards, and their running game's really good. They got some really good receivers. So, Lance Leopold, he's he's already getting looks at other coaching jobs. So, you know, he's done a heck of a job at Kansas to to get them in the position that they are. And and that goes without saying, yes, I think this flies. Um, okay. I think Kansas deserves to be ranked, and I think they deserve to be um, show some recognition. But like I said, if this was a team like Vanderbilt or a bigger brand, I think, you know, even in the SEC being Vanderbilt, I think they would get ranked. Well, man, I if just Vanderbilt think. was 3-1 and one and they go and beat Alabama last week, they're probably ranked. Yeah, that's it's it, it's based on. I feel like a lot of times it's based on where you're at and what conference you're in. That's just my opinion, though. I'm not going to say that they're not because Vandy, if they go and beat Alabama last weekend and they're four and one, they're probably ranked. They are. John Roberts, are you going to fly with this or no fly? Do you think they're they should be ranked in the top fifteen or twenty? I think so. With the, and especially in the top twenty, I think they should definitely be ranked in the top twenty with the uh, with what they've done so far. Because the rankings should be, what have you done for us this year, not what have you done in the last decade. It should be what have you done in the, this year. The rankings should count from this year. Right, and but there really, is such a thing as expectations from for this year, and they're and, exceeding them. Right, but, <laughs> so, but early on, the expectations wasn't that Kansas would be setting 4-0. Well, we're not also sitting here going like, I mean, are, are the rankings supposed to be a projection of where they are going, where you think they're going to end or what they are right now? Because what they are right now is a top 20 team. But so you, what, what they might be later on, I don't think their defense is good enough to, to stay. Right. But I think that they're good enough to be there right now. Right now. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's what it is. So I think right. it flies if we're talking about right now. If we're talking right. about right now, then it yeah. flies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got you. So, yeah. You know, and, and here's my thing with it. And the rankings have always kind of went this way and been that way, in my opinion, especially with schools who doesn't don't really have the reputation. Um Right. You know, they, they usually you have to more than um, earn your stripes to kind of get the recognition. I mean, that's what, that you we, what, what we had to deal with with the SEC in the early 2000s. You know, so LSU wins a national, you know, wins a shared national title in 2003. Uh, I believe Tennessee had won theirs in 98. But. 
I think you had, what, Florida in the top. But you didn't really have a ton of teams until you get Auburn that gets left out and you get Mike Slide that's out there pounding the drum for a plus one or basically a 14 playoff. Well, 2005, it's um, it's Texas and USC, but 06, Florida's right back in it. Seven, LSU with two losses gets in there because right. they're in the SEC because the SEC is now starting to prove themselves. And then 08, Florida's back. Nine, it's Bama. Ten, it's Auburn. Eleven, twelve, Bama. You know, and so on and so forth. And now, I mean, there, there's not going to be a time where really an SEC team gets left out. When we get into the 12 team playoff, you're probably going to see four. Yeah, I mean, SEC. right now, the way it's setting and, up right now, there would be four SEC teams in the 12. Right. So, the, uh, you know, so yeah, you, you, you talk about, you know, earning your stripes or whatever. I mean, so it took the SEC a few years to be able to really kind of get in there. But once they got in there, they were, it seemed like it took them a long time before they got out, you know. Well, in the nineties, uh, it was basically Florida and Tennessee. I mean, those were the well, top Florida teams. And Tennessee, the, the, the Florida Tennessee game decided the East, which most likely decided the SEC. Yeah. And through the nineties. Yes. In the nineties when you right. had, uh, like when you had, you know, guys like Worf or Manning going against each other. Right. Um, or, but, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that, that, that power shifted over to the West in the 2000s. And I mean, just since the mid 2000s and, and on, it's, it's moved over to the West between whether it's been Alabama or LSU or Auburn you know, a, few a couple, times. couple of years, Auburn throws a hand grenade in there and says right. that they want to be in it. Right. And then, uh, and then you, you now have starting to shift at least a balancing act, a team in the East that can at least rival any of the Western teams with, with, you know, Georgia, you know, throwing their name in the hat. They've, they've been trying to do this for the last five years and, you know, they've now, you know, seized control by, you know, winning it last year, winning the whole thing last year, not necessarily the SEC championship game, but won it in when it really mattered in the uh, the national championship game. Right. So, All right, so um, we'll move on to an SEC topic. So a couple of days ago, um, the October 8th schedule come out, and LSU versus Tennessee um, was, was announced as a noon Eastern time kickoff. And yesterday, a lot in the media and a ton of fans – was throwing fits and complaining all day long, it seemed like, especially on Twitter. I don't know if you guys seen it or not, but, um, you know, complaining that the game was a noon game and it, that it should be a, a primetime game. But here's my thing. If you're a Tennessee fan, the truth is, is that Death Valley at 11 o'clock local time is a much easier game to play than Death Valley under the lights. It is. And is, are you fly with that or no fly? Mm, I think I'll fly. Um, I think, you know, it's a, it's a easier matchup. Well, not really. It's not much of an easier matchup. It's a, it's a better time slot than they would have gotten going into Death Valley at night. But Tennessee you know, fans were throwing a fit yesterday. And yeah, and they're and they're already coming off a of bye week too, under a first year head coach too. So, you know, it's the first noon game I think that Tennessee's had. Um they did try to get the three thirty game, but they just went with I think Auburn and Georgia, I believe. Um so you know in this regard I think Tennessee fans should be happy because you, you take away the history of LSU at night. That's one of the wildest places. And that's one of the wildest places in the SEC, and they get crazy at that yeah. by that point. But at and, 11 a.m., they're usually not that crazy yet. No, and they're just waking up, and it changes a lot. of. It's still going to have a lot of hype to the game because LSU um, is playing a lot better. Um, I still think 
if it had resulted in a night game, I still think it would have been difficult even for a team that is tested like Tennessee is, where they went on the road to Pittsburgh. Um, I still think it would be a really hard game for them. So I believe I'm just going to go um, the – I guess it would be no fly, I guess. Would that be right? No, you're going to fly. Say it is an easier game, right? Yeah, it's an easier game. Yeah, that's what. I, that's right. Okay. I'll let it fly, yeah. All right. Drink local BM. What, what do you think on this? I do. Uh, I, I agree on letting it fly uh, because, yeah, that, that crowd won't be awake until maybe the second half <laughs> right. of that game um, when they finally figure out where they are and what they're doing. Um, but the um, I was looking at the, the rest of the, the schedule here, and, yeah, so um, – Auburn Georgia's at two thirty. They're doing CBS is doing their doubleheader that that weekend where they have the afternoon game and then the night game. So uh, Gary and um, uh, oh shoot, now I've gone blank on the guy's name, but anyway, Gary right, and this will one. Be at, yeah, will, and Nestler, yeah, Nestler and, and, and Danielson will be at the Bama A and M game that wow. night. And uh, Auburn and Georgia will get the B team um, uh, calling their game at 2:30. So if you really are looking at it, like where where would this game sh- where where should this game have gone? The Kentucky South Carolina game is a SEC network at six uh, 6:30, I believe. It is. And so, I mean, you're looking at either that one, like replacing that SEC game and doing a night game there. But, you know, ESPN, I think they wanted it on the main ESPN channel. So as soon as they come out of game day, they go right into it. Um, so then you're, you're replacing for ESPN that night is, and I'm now I've, I've lost my place uh, as to who is, who's got the ESPN game at night. And I actually don't see one. For for six o'clock on the main ESPN channel, so uh, because ABC has got Ohio State, Michigan State, which that's going to be a beatdown. Right. Um, they're doing that just to spotlight the Big Ten, so the Big Ten stays happy because uh, they've gone mostly to Fox, and then the the the. Pac-12 after dark being Stanford and Oregon State, and that's on the main ESPN. I mean, the point I was trying to make is is playing at at Death Valley at night is a completely different animal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've been there. I've been to a game at Death Valley at night. (laughs) It's a different animal. Now, now the the crazy thing for me was that 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 game was – I was sitting at the very top of the stadium, so I didn't actually get to feel – like, you could tell that it was – that it was – um, that it was really loud, and you can kind of feel the stadium shake. But you know, if you because I wasn't in the lower bowl, then it just you know I wasn't going to actually you know feel or hear the way that that you're supposed to to hear or feel it. So right. um, I didn't get the uh, the, the full on effect outside the fact that you know I could watch it you know, take place right before my eyes. <laughs> well, so. so everybody probably already knows my opinion. I come up with a question. I think that Tennessee actually got a pretty lucky time slot, if you ask me. They probably will catch LSU and the fans the whole first half, um, just not awake yet. And Tennessee's got such an offense, they'll probably be up 21-3, to three you know, before the fans even really get in the game. So Right, and, and it's yeah, and, and I'm gonna kinda cut you off on that one. Yeah, yeah, the what you've got to be able to do if you're Tennessee is be able to put them away in the first half. Because right. if you don't, just like in Auburn, weird stuff happens. <laughs> right. Like voodoo. Hey yes. speaking of Auburn and weird stuff happening. <laughs> Because that's kind of my Great next topic. 
<laughs> that's a that, this that's a weird stuff happening there last week, if I, if you recall. So, um, you know, there was huge talk if uh, Auburn lost last week that their coach Brian Hairston would probably be fired. Speaking of last week and weird stuff happening, you know, the guy tries to apparently reach for the goal line at the end and loses the ball. Auburn pounces on it in the end zone, and they win the game 17-14 to 14 last week. Um, my question to you is this. Is there another coach in the country that's on more of a hot seat than Brian Harrison? Not at all. Um, you know, for – for one quarter on Saturday, we had some false hope. Um, you yeah, know, they, Auburn, right. they was up fourteen nothing. You know, they manhandled the line of scrimmage. They ran all over them. They got up what fourteen to nothing. Yeah. And when they made adjustments, Harson could not. He didn't have no answers for it. And you know, they didn't have the experienced quarterback Finley and Kazada's out for the year. Um, but to struggle after. The adjustments after the first quarter, to me, was really concerning, you know. And I'll be honest with you, they gift-wrapped this game. Um, Missouri did. Um, You know, Auburn didn't win this game. Missouri basically just handed it to them. They did. Because they missed the chip shot field goal before um, the end of regulation. Then I think one of them had a – was it a pick? Did Auburn throw a pick, I believe? Um, uh, no, Auburn. Oh, it was Missouri through a pick. And then I think didn't Auburn miss a field goal or something? They did right before half. Right before half, and it was just it was like watching the Three Stooges, and and I don't mean that to be to be mean. It was just it, it was a dumpster mean. fire. Be mean. <laughs> it was just a dumpster fire. It was, and from then on, after the second half, it was just. Like, who wants to win this game? Like, the ball was handed to each team, and, you know, they said, here, take this game. No, you take it. No, this one, take it. So are you implying that Harrison's on the hottest seat in the country? I do. I I think he's on the hot seat. And I I wouldn't be shocked um, if he's gone by the bye week, um, to be honest. You know, I think they um, they play Georgia coming up. Um, they got some really hard games coming up, and I, I just don't see them getting to to bowl eligibility with with the schedule that they got. So I'm gonna say it flies that you know Harson's job is in jeopardy. Well, they're three and one to begin with. Okay, so after the debacle that was last week, they really are three and one. Um, now their schedule is a little tough i'm not gonna lie well i play the next three games here's the next three games before the bye home against lsu at georgia and at ole miss and if you play like you did saturday against missouri you're not winning uh, any. you're not you're not winning any of them games no all right so we played one team the birmingham uh, guy who's an auburn fan what's your thought on this you really want to know <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, you're you're the Auburn fan of the bunch, so I am I am the Auburn fan. In fact, I am the Auburn grad. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, makes it even even more of a, a gut punch watching all this. Um, but that is exactly the Auburn experience. You just if you were an Auburn fan and you watched that game, that you you experienced Auburn right there. It is the highs are extremely high. And the lows are extremely low, and there's really nothing in the middle. Um, I believe if you guys ever watch the SEC shorts, right? Those little, yeah, I love them. Yeah, watch watch the one on the Auburn experience. They have a roller coaster ride that they do, <laughs> and it is it's hilarious because they nail what it is on the head, and it's just. You know, we can go from being really good to being really bad really quick. I mean, are y'all are y'all crying for for Gus yet? Uh, so, um, I was one that was wanting. If you're going to make the change, that you better be right with your change. You know what I'm saying? Because 
what what my fear is is that we'll end up like Tennessee and it'll take a decade to get out. Right. Or more. And I don't want that. Yeah. And I mean I agree with, with you the on way that. that it's going, it's looking more and more like we're digging a further you know, just a bigger and bigger, bigger hole right. to try to get out of. And you know, you can be three and nine or, or yeah, three and nine one season like two thousand twelve and then turn around and lose only the uh, the one game in the regular season in two thousand thirteen when you can experience the lowest of lows and the highest of highs in back to back seasons. But I'm getting we're getting to a point where it's going to take multiple seasons to get out. Well, too, another thing yeah. too, you know, they haven't they've only played one team um, with a pulse, like I was getting ready to say, in Penn State, and they got dominated. Um, right, got dominated on the line of scrimmage. And you know they haven't really played anybody up until what Penn State. And if Penn State does that. It makes me think, what's George and these others going to be able to do? Well, here's my thought. I, I don't even, here's I think what I'm, I want, here's what to, I want to discuss else. with this just for a minute. <laughs> Why is it – I mean, this Harrison's only been there, what, 16 games or something like that? Um, I mean, you know, this is just his second season, four games in, and it's been nothing but a mess since the day he got there and started. I mean, why – why is the fans, the players, the boosters? Since That's the, day, the problem. Since you the day it. he got there, it seems like nobody has been on board with this guy. You said that the third one, the boosters. Until the boosters get out of the hiring process and things in Auburn football, it's never going to be what Auburn football wants to be. Correct. Uh, the boosters have to have to lay off and let you know. So in order to do that, what you need is you need somebody. So Harson can come in and demand to have that that he needs full control of everything, but nobody's going to give him because he's not proven, right? He's then why hire him? Well, here's the thing. Go back into that hiring process. Yes, they went what through. Happened? They went what, through a few happened? people. Yeah, there they you go. did. So, the whole thing was a it was a split decision, right there, where you had the boosters that didn't want him, and you had an AD that kind of went rogue and went and got him, and now that AD is gone. And and that's I mean that right there tells you all you really need to know and why nobody's really been on board with him since the day he got there really right so now here's the thing what he what he wanted to do as far as kind of his ego and how he runs things was something that Auburn needed however. His recruiting style is recruiting like he's still in the Mac and that his program is the best that they're, you know, the best program within, you know, 500 miles. And it's not, you know, you have to deal with the one team that's on the other side of the, you know, (laughs) with the legend that's on the other side of the state. Right. You know, right. And. I mean, and, and, and this was something that I was discussing with somebody today. Auburn is still a top 15 to 20 program, like, overall. Well, there was talk, you know, been talk this past week for Dion maybe being there, you know, but we'll see. Yeah, but like I was saying, they're still a top 15, you know, of all, you know, top 15 to 20 program all time. They could be top ten if they would just get their act together. I mean, a hundred percent. I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, Auburn ten overall. Like, and I mean, they are a blue blood of college football. They are, and that's really believe it or not. That is the reason that it is such a bad time right now to watch them because they look like 
they are bottom 25, honestly. Right. They look like it, but, I mean, you go look at their record and kind of what they've done, an all-time record and everything, they're still a top, you know, 10 to 15 program, or top 15 to 20 program, and they've been doing it with, you know, in their history, they have the two greatest, two greatest coaches to ever coach in college football of all time has been sitting uh, sitting on the other side of the state with Bear and with Nick Saban. Right. And they're still able to manage doing that. And they still and can win championships out of the blue with, random, with random coaches. With random coaches? With random quarterbacks? Yeah. I mean, you can have a guy that's, you know, as good as Cam Newton, which, I mean, look, in all honesty, he was just the he was you know he was a high schooler playing with a bunch of elementary school students is what he was doing. He can sit there and go push himself around, but then you have a Nick Marshall, who first year coming back to being a quarterback after playing DB for a couple of years, you know comes in and could barely hit the broadside of a barn throwing the ball the year that he was that that, that they went to the national championship game. But, you know, that offense was clicking. They were really good. Yeah, I mean, and, even even Terry Bowden had a great season there. Right. He had Stan White uh, and, and Pat Nix uh, in back-to-back seasons and did really, really well uh, coming off of or, – or actually while on probation. And then, you know, after that they had Damian Craig. They did okay with him. And then, of course, it kind of fell off at that point. Um, and then you have Tommy Tuberville that can, you know, he had, he had some really good years. And, and I mean, like even like Brandon Cox wasn't the best of quarterbacks, but that team in 2005 was about a win or two away from being, or they were, they were a few kicks away from being in the SEC championship game. And they were about another win away outside of that from really kind of knocking on the door of being in the national championship now with, USC and Texas being those top two programs, it's going to take a lot to knock them off. But because Auburn had been, you know, left out the year before, you know, if they were to have found a way to win, be undefeated, they would have been right in the middle of that stuff. Well, where so. they currently are under Harrison is like they have dug a hole, and I believe it's going to take a little while to get out of unless you can hire some crazy big name just because of Auburn's history and, you know, and, and it just takes off. So when we go into talking about crazy big names, okay, so Deion Sanders, his name is, his name has popped up and that guy can recruit. He can. Because and he, went and he can challenge one. Nick Saban. Right. In recruiting. what you need. What you need. You need to be able to challenge Nick Saban on one side, and you need to be able to challenge Kirby Smart on the other. Right. So yep. you've got to be able to take the big dogs out of your own state and then go take the big dogs out of the state just to, just to the east. You also need to be able to go down south and take the big dogs out of Florida. Deion Sanders could probably do that. And I think Dion could do that. Yeah. Now, um, could he, you know, assemble a coaching staff that would be able to, you know, put together a winning team? Probably. The The issue will come back to what the root of the problem is. What would he do and how does he fare and act with the board of trustees? Exactly. In the now, would the board of trustees get out of the way? Um, as I did, would, would the board, board of trustees get out of the way and let him do his thing? I don't know. They try to meddle and, and, and get in the middle of it. Right. You know? And if that happens, so, Dion will probably be unhappy. And, oh, he, and he will bolt immediately because he does yep. not need that, you know, any of that. Nope. He I agree it. with you 100% on that. So the next name that I would 
really would I would love to see and I wanted to see him before he got snatched up by another school Lane Kiffin because I would like to see what he could do at Auburn again I don't think he has I to me his and and I don't know much about like what he would do but I I feel like that he just wouldn't give a crap with the board (laughs) and so I don't know if he would if his I don't care nature would go well uh, or if he like he could allow the board to do whatever it is that they want he doesn't care and he'd still be able to win you know I'm not really sure but I think he could also recruit and you know that he can put together a good offense and this year Ole Miss's defense is showing up so you know he's got at least some form of way of getting defense players and defensive coaching staff so you know, I think, you know, I kind of, I like, I, I lean more for myself toward Lane. I would rather see him at Auburn than I would see any of the other ones, though Dion would be, would be fun to watch. I think Lane would, would be, be somebody It would that be would fun be, to watch with Dion. Yeah. I will say that. And so right, exactly so let's commercials. move on to our last topic. <laughs> our last topic is Washington Huskies. You know, they've started out really strong this year. Um, and, you know, you look at their schedule and, you know, they, they miss a game or two with some of these top teams. And, you know, is, is Washington a real contender to win the Pac-12? I think so. You know, they, um, they beat Michigan State, which is struggling right now. Um, they've had a pretty easy slate. Playing Kent State and Portland State in the first couple of weeks, but they've dominated those games though. Um, and the biggest thing is they're going to avoid the two heavyweights, USC and Utah, and they play teams such as Stanford, Arizona State, and Colorado. So the Huskies have a real big opportunity to finish the season with just one loss if they can beat Oregon. And if they beat Oregon, they could end up in the Pac-12 championship. Um, you know, a lot of that has to do with Michael Penix Jr. Um, you know, and the fact that, you know, they've re- they revamped the coaching staff, DeBoer. Um, you know, they had that situation with Lake last year where he left in the middle of the season. And this, I think this hire has paid real big dividends for the Huskies. So, you know, and it certainly helped Michael Penix Jr. It did, and I think, and didn't Penix win? I think Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week um, was it during the Michigan State Week. So, and the biggest thing with Penix, he's completing 66% of his passes with only one with one one interception, um, and he threw for 397 yards and four touchdowns against Michigan State against a Michigan State defense that was supposed to be better. And they're not real good this year, um, defensively. So yeah, this will fly. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 in contention that they, that they are a contender. You know, their schedule. Um, they miss a couple of games, like you said. You know that that others, some of them have to play. And you know, I, I and I think that they have shown enough so far. You know, it's possible they could go eleven and one, or maybe even twelve and zero if they beat Oregon. So, John Roberts, what do you think on this one? Um, right now it's it's up in the air, um, because while they are doing very well right now, um, you know they beat Michigan State, which is a team that people thought might be, I guess, okay with uh with the the current coaching staff, but apparently they have kind of fell off the wagon. Uh, Stanford's not really as good as anybody or as they've been in years past. Um, so, I mean, they still could be okay. Um, but I'd like to see what they do in games that, yes, they should win the games I'm about to name. But I have the feeling that one of these teams might sneak up and actually, you know, knock them down. And I'm not talking about Oregon. Because Oregon is the one that everybody's watching, but that Oregon State, 
Washington State because that's at Washington State. Right. Are the two games that I'd be really paying a close attention to. And then, I mean, look, they got UCLA this weekend. They got Cal in a couple weeks. The Arizona schools are not going to pose any sort of threat. Uh, don't think Colorado will either. And that's mm. a home game anyway. But at Cal, at Washington State, Oregon State's at home. Those are kind of games that I'd be kind of, uh, and even though Washington should win these games, you know, that's kind of the one that they might, they might get, you know, snake bit by a team that is, that is not good. Well, I mean, <laughs> but even if they do lose one of those games, if they step up and beat Oregon, yeah, are, they, they have an opportunity to go at least go to the Rose Bowl. If they're okay, eleven so, and one, I mean they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship game. Okay, anyway. so hold on, hold on. How does the Pac-12 do their championship this year? I really don't know the answer to that. <laughs> so I think what they're doing is they're just taking the top two teams. Oh, are they? I don't think, I don't think there's divisions. I think they got rid of divisions. So they they, they had been one, doing divisions. So they had been doing divisions. They went north and south. Yeah, but I don't think they're doing divisions this year. I think they're just taking the top two teams, top two records. Right. And it may not be Washington, which is, you know, they may go 11-1 and one and not make it. Because that one, you know, because you, you, you get maybe USC and Utah, you know. I mean, it's possible, but I just think it's an interesting topic because – Everybody's yeah, you're right. I just looked that up. They're <laughs> two te- if the two teams are tied for first place, both teams will be in the championship game. Um, so question is, is, what happens when two teams are tied for second place? Yeah, that's that's the big one. And right now, <laughs> and right now, there's one, two, three, four, five. There's six teams I think that are one and zero in second place: UCLA, Washington, California, Oregon, and Utah. Or what if yeah. there's three teams tied for the top spot? Yeah, that, that that's where it gets a little tricky. Then what? It's, it, yeah, <laughs> we'd have to go look at their at their at their bylaws. Go look at their rules. Their tiebreakers. Yeah. How they do it. Yeah. You know what are their what are their tiebreakers? Right. Which I think USC will win that um, top spot. It's everybody else that I don't know. Oregon has shown flashes of coming out of it after losing to Georgia. Um, you know, California, I don't think's that good. You know, they even, they should have beat Notre Dame. Um, Utah is the wild card here because, you know, even the loss to Florida, they, they still played a really good football game. Um, so I think it's going to, and to me, it's going to come down to the three ranked teams, Washington, Oregon, and Utah. And if UCLA, Gets it together. I think UCLA could make a run at it, but and it may just be whoever's ranked highest. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm thinking. And USC's already got a jump hold on it already. They're two and zero in the conference, so um, USC is pretty much living high right now. Correct. So, but uh, like I said, I mean, look, as of right now, yes, you know, it flies. But do I believe it can happen later? You know, that's a a good question you know right because there are there are a couple games and like i said it's teams that they should beat but it may not be teams that they do beat and then if they get they take one loss in the conference that may knock them out of the conference championship and if that knocks them out of the conference championship that kind of knocks them out of everything else too right so oh they have to at least be in the championship game to have a shot right yeah all right, so that's going to wrap up our show tonight. Um, John Roberts, uh, Drink Local Beham, we appreciate you being on with us um, and uh, coming on with some insight and some different uh, um, different insight, I guess I should say, and yeah. uh, challenging us a little bit because you're right, you're definitely right on the. I, I I really I knew that there was a chance that they were talking about it with the Pac-12, but I'll be honest with you, I didn't know that they were already doing it. I thought that was next year that they were doing that, to be honest. Yeah, challenge it. Challenge it. Yeah. 
I honestly kind of thought that was last year or next year. I mean, that they were starting that. Um, but anyway, so, uh, we appreciate you guys being on with us. Uh, John. Yeah. You need to challenge us because Brad's behind in the standings right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had to get him. He's, he, he's trying to, he's trying to fight back in the, uh, the pick. The picks. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be our next show. Um, we'll probably post that on Friday and we'll do our game day pick Well, and what's crazy is this week, there are some really, really, really good games, um, all over the board. There is, there's 10 from or 12 noon, games that are just really good games. From noon till like 7.30, there's really good games all day. Right. And we'll get into that. We'll, we'll start picking some games and. Looking well, at the hey, before before we before we go, um, how many of those games have been moved? Three so uh, far, I believe. Yeah, because we got Florida that's going to be played Sunday. Yeah. At eleven, right? Or at the eleven eleven a.m. Central, twelve o'clock Eastern. Um, I know. Uh, I think South Carolina's been hey. South Carolina, Kentucky. I think has been or. Not South Carolina, Kentucky, but the South Carolina game has been moved to Thursday. Thursday, yeah, it's it's moved to Thursday. Right. So there's a few of them that have been. I want to say there was a UCF game that was moved to Sunday. Yeah, UCF, and um, I believe it was. What was it? Was it SMU? Yeah, I think it is SMU. uh, South Florida got moved just in location. They went from being playing at Raymond James Stadium. To being played at FAU, so on the other side of the of the state. Okay. And all this is due to the Hurricane Ian um, coming through. So there's Correct. there's been a lot of changes to the scheduling for these games. Um, so there's going to be some bad weather, and they're changing the times and days of these games. So, anything else you guys want?